coffee isn't just a drink, it's who you are. We are Little Green Hive, and we're here to serve that perfect cup of coffee made just for you. We're women-owned and locally sourced. Our mission is to provide the best product for our customers, as well as strengthen our community. From fair trade coffees and teas, to breakfast, lunch, and smoothies, we have everything you need to start your day off right. Come visit us in downtown Roanoke, Grandin Village, and now at the Daleville Town Center, Little Green Hive, because coffee is personal. Hey, thanks so much for listening to Hometown Stories. It means a lot to us. If you like what you hear, we'd love it if you shared us with a friend, left us a review, or subscribed to Hometown Stories. That way, you basically get first dibs as soon as we release a new episode. You can also email us at hometownstories at wdbj7.com. We'd love to hear your hometown story. Okay, now let's get back to the episode. What it lets us do, it's, it's like you found this um, box in your attic and it had family photos, you know, of generations beyond. You're starting to see where you came from. You see what looks like you and, you know, what's the big surprise in there. That's very similar to what we'll be doing with Arendelle. Researchers from NASA have just shared an image of their record-breaking discovery from the Hubble telescope. The image shows a red arc in a distant part of our universe. And in the middle of that red arc, they discovered a star. The light from that star is so old, NASA says this Hubble image shows us the farthest star ever seen. They've called it Arendelle. In this episode of Hometown Stories, NASA astrophysicist Dr. Patty Boyd explains why Arendelle is important, even if you're not an astrophysicist. This conversation originally appeared on the WDBJ7 Plus digital news desk. Dr. Boyd, thank you so much for being with us today. Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm very excited to talk about this new Hubble result. And you guys just uh, kind of put out this information just this morning. So this is brand new stuff. Dr. Boyd, tell us about this discovery. What is it that NASA is excited to share with the world today? Okay, sure. So the Hubble Space Telescope is an amazing, very capable telescope that has been in a low Earth orbit for over 30 years now. Um, It's captured some of the most iconic space images that people are familiar with, but it's got incredible instruments and incredible science programs. And the result today is actually an observation of the farthest known single star Uh, breaks the records by quite a a few billion years. Um, And so it is able to be imaged by something called gravitational lensing. So what you see in this image, there are galaxies there. They're fairly close to us and they're in a cluster. So they're, they're connected to each other gravitationally. There's so much mass there that that acts like a lens, a natural lens, an extremely powerful lens that can amplify, magnify, distort the light of things behind it. They're way too far away, way too dim for us to see without the lens there. So when you take that natural lens and you combine it with Hubble, which is this extremely powerful telescope, again, that can magnify, amplify, you get opportunity to see things like this star, Arendelle, we call it, a first light star. The universe is about 13.8 billion years old. And throughout that time, it's been growing, changing and evolving. So the light that left this star, left the star 
12.9 billion years ago in the infancy of our universe. So it's a, it's a very rare window where we can look at one of the first stars that evolved. And we're in a great time where we've got not only Hubble in space now, but the James Webb Space Telescope in commissioning, just about to get involved in science operations. This star will be a, a keystone target for JWST to really take a look at an early star and determine what's going on there. Like what are what is the environment like in one of the first stars? It's like looking back archeologically at what, what was going on with your grandparents, your great grandparents, many, many generations back. That is just incredible. And some of the images that have been captured by um, Hubble are incredible. So Dr. Boyd, I just have to ask, what was it like in the office the day that you guys <laughs> took this picture? I mean, what was the, how, how did that come about? And sort of what was the immediate you know, reaction? So I'm not actually part of the discovery team. That's another team that uh, proposed these observations and that worked tirelessly to you know, determine what this image was showing us. Um, but the team who put that together, led by a graduate student actually named Brian Welch, um, they were looking at this you know, very distant arc. You see that beautiful red arc. We call it the sunrise arc um, because that's a distorted um, version of, of what we're seeing behind us. When the data started to infer that what that little bright spot was, was actually a single star, um, Brian and the team were you know, kind of in disbelief. It, it was obviously the record setting star. So there was a lot of work that went into you know, making sure that the the fact that it looks like it's the furthest, farthest star that we've ever seen is actually truly what's going on. Um, so that's the way scientists work. You know, we want to make sure we've got the a right amount of data and evidence to support our claims. Um, so a lot of um, analysis of that image to confirm that yes, that's looking like it's a you know coming from 12.9 billion years ago. It looks like to be a single star. It looks to be magnified by a thousand times or more. The star itself looks to be about 50 or maybe even a hundred times the mass of our own sun. So really one of these really, really massive stars. And those stars, they live quick, they die quick, and they spew materials from their core out into the surrounding material. And then that uh, gets absorbed into the next generation of stars. So I'm sure it was an extremely exciting day for the team um, and certainly for the astronomical community today as, as we see the results of this paper that was just published this morning. Absolutely. We've got a couple of people um, chiming in. Jennifer says, this is amazing. And Christina has a question. Can you determine what galaxy this star is in? So that's a great question. It is definitely part of a, you know, it's, it's one star, but it is in a region of star formation. Um, we know that because it's going to be a very young star. Stars form together and then they disperse. Um, there will be a lot of work to be done to take the data that we see of this very stretched structure and we'll do what we call de-lensing it, you know, basically applying a, a correction to it so we can see what that galaxy looked like. But one of the most fascinating things about the universe is that galaxies evolve. And the galaxies that we see around us today, including the Milky Way, look incredibly different than they did in the earliest days of the universe. So one of the most exciting things will be to see what that galaxy actually looks like. It's a baby galaxy. And JWST, the new telescope, will help us see not only this galaxy, but many, many more like it uh, to start to put together that picture of what did galaxies look like in the earliest days and what happened to make them look like they look today. Obviously, if you're if you're researching this and you're looking at the images from Hubble, I, like you said, I cannot imagine, you know, what the team felt when they, you know, picked up on that image. You're an astrophysicist, so this is the kind of thing that you're really plugged into. But for people who don't necessarily have the scientific background or they're not going out and looking for these types of stars, for the rest of us, why, you know, why should we consider this significant? So when we look around us, we see a universe as it is today. And it's composed of things like hydrogen and helium and then a whole bunch of other stuff. 
calcium in our bones, carbon, um, oxygen, neon, those elements were actually fused in the centers of stars and then spewed out into their surroundings by supernova explosions. So what we see around us today, you, me, the screen, um, those elements all came from stars, the earliest stars. Arendelle is one of those earliest stars. What it lets us do, it's, it's like you found this um, box in your attic and it had family photos you know, of generations beyond. You're starting to see where you came from. You see what looks like you and you know, what's the big surprise in there. That's very similar to what we'll be doing with Arendelle. Um, how do we determine what the very earliest stars were doing as they formed? What types of environments did they form in? And what types of environments did they leave when they evolved and died? Arendelle, this star is long gone. It's probably a black hole by now, but it spewed material into its surroundings that led to the birth of new stars that had heavier elements in them. And then eventually to stars like our own star that has planets around it, rocky little worlds like Earth with atmospheres. So I think Arendelle is just like this opportunity to see one of the earliest moments of that evolution. Wow, this is so, so cool. And uh, to hear the way that you talk about it is really neat. It kind of feels like we're t taking ourselves and flipping us inside out to take a look uh, from, <laughs> from, from back inside. We've got a question from Jessica, which is a great transition to what we're talking about next. But Jessica wants to know, the longer Hubble is in space, uh, the farther it can see? That's her question. So is it the case that the longer that Hubble is out, the farther it'll be able to see out into the universe? So it's not quite how it's happening here. Um, so what is happening is that we're taking regions of the sky where we know that this lensing happens, the gravitational lensing, and that's allowing us to look further back in time. So the more powerful a natural gravitational lens is, you combine it with the capabilities of the telescope, and then you are able to you know, combine those two to have the, the longer look back times, we call them. Uh, Hubble is still operational after 30 plus years in space. Um, it was launched in April of 1990, um, and it is still operating you know, fantastically, and we are looking forward to a whole bunch more science with Hubble. Um, but you know, it's, it can do what it can do with the instruments that are on board it. And at a certain point, um, the light from very distant galaxies will be redshifted out of Hubble's um, ability to see. And that's why the James Webb Space Telescope is also very exciting because it can pick up in the wavelength spectrum where, Webb, where, where Hubble leaves off. So it will be able to see those galaxies that are much further away and much fainter. Dr. Boyd, I know you're on a tight schedule on this very busy and exciting day. So we'd like to thank you so much for your time. Is there anything else that you'd like to add before we let you go? Sure. If people want to learn more about this discovery or anything else that Hubble has seen, go to nasa.gov Hubble or follow us on social media at NASA Hubble. There's information about this discovery, the images, and all kinds of other cool space stuff. We will absolutely put those links online and on our uh, website. Dr. Patty Boyd, NASA astrophysicist, joining on the line today. Dr. Boyd, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Bye-bye. Hometown Stories is a production of WDBJ7 in Roanoke, Virginia. This episode was written and produced by me, Leanna Scacchetti, and edited by Ben Roquelmi. We'll see you next time. Hometown Stories is sponsored by Little Green Hive, because coffee is personal. Locations in downtown Roanoke, Daleville, and Grandin.